listening to the Poster Boy Podcast. Our mission is to help young entrepreneurs in small-town America start, grow, and manage 21st century businesses. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey, this is Chad. Hey, and this is Drew. Today we have a special episode. We are going to comment on and discuss the coronavirus in real time. Chad, can you elaborate? Yeah, so I think uh, we should start out with a quote, but I think it's only fair to start out by using a quote from Tom Hanks, who is currently recovering from the coronavirus in Australia. Um, He said, remember, despite all of the current events, there is no crying in baseball. And I thought, what a fun quote for us to use for this particular uh, episode. So, yeah, Drew, I think, um, you know, as far as diving into it, I think this is just another one of those great opportunities to learn a lesson if you're an entrepreneur about how do you navigate uncharted waters and what steps are you, Drew, and R&D taking? And, you know, what steps are we with uh, UTP taking? And, you know, and, and what type of advice do we have for people out there experiencing and going through some of this right now? More often than not, I would say, man, this is a fantastic quote, but considering what's going on right now, not just with the health of people, right? Like people are dying from this. The the globe is suffering from this, but also if you are an entrepreneur, you may have just heard from your friend that they lost their job because they closed down restaurants in a state or that their company is going fully remote in the near term, or you as an entrepreneur had an event lined up, or you had meetings with the prospect of the year, and now you can't fly to that town. So this is a very serious topic. And the anecdotes that we'll share today are in real time as we started this podcast. What are are we doing at my company today? What, What is Chad doing at his company today? And I think you said a word there, Chad, which was really important, which is uncertainty. I mean, yeah. you know, in yeah. business, there's always uncertainty, right? I mean, that, that is the nature of business. But when there are global economic and social movements happening, this is outside of the norm of predictability. There are, there are, I actually, I worked at a bank years ago, one day to keep myself busy. I actually decided to read the emergency preparedness. Nice. <laughs> and how many companies right now are going through their emergency preparedness plans? And as an entrepreneur, what is what is Drew's entre- um, emergency preparedness yeah. plan? My goodness, yeah. I, I hadn't written one. This isn't something that I had the wherewithal to write. But in front of me right now, I'm looking at many of my customers and partners and vendors and contractors. Everyone yeah. is affected by this. Yeah. So how we deal with this is equal to how the economy is dealing with this. But you again, the word you said there, Chad, and I'd like to hear a little bit more about what you think about this concept, is uncertainty. I mean, there's uncertainty in business, but this is there are forces moving right now that are out of both strategic, or at least from my perspective, out of like in strategic control beyond how do how do we as a business come out on top? Yeah, you know, I think a word or a statement that I've overused in the last few days is that we're kind of in this in this mode of decision paralysis. 
because you're not really sure what the correct decision to make is. And, you know, I think a, a very difficult thing for a lot of entrepreneurs is understanding the need to preserve cash and to be prepared for something like this, because oftentimes if you have cash sitting on the sidelines, it seems that it's probably better off being invested in you know, future growth or improving the current operations or things along those lines. And for me, um, yeah, I'm really grateful at this particular moment that we haven't really incurred any debt as a company and that we've been able to do things debt-free. And so right now, we're in a position of really, again, decision paralysis. We're kind of sitting and waiting to see what's going to happen, what type of direction this is going to go. You know, we are in what most people prior to the last three weeks would have considered to be the most recession-proof industry in the world, and that is youth sports. Um, you know, there's this rule that the parents always want their kids to do things. They want them in organized activities. Today, you don't play outside as often, so sports are just such a great way. And um, this rocked us in a way that I didn't see coming. And you know, at first, when it first started happening, I was like, oh, you know, this, this could potentially be a great opportunity to uh, to make money in a lot of areas, right? Sp uh, specifically, like the stock market, you know, there's this just crash. But then it's like one of those where you should probably sit and wait and see kind of how this all plays out. And sure enough, you know, the media really grabbed a hold of it and it exploded. And then you started getting, a, you know, a re relatively high reported death rate. And then it created hysteria. And then when, once you have hysteria, then it just became this domino and it was really dangerous. And so, you know, to answer your, to, to really answer the statement or, or create a statement of what, what have we done or what have I done to prepare us for this? Well, I think the best thing I did that was inadvertent was I just kept us debt free. And, you know, we have enough cash on the sidelines to where this won't cripple us, assuming it, it's, it's a short time horizon, you know, and the good news about living and, and building a company in the United States is that there are, a tremendous amount of resources if you're willing to put in the work and do the effort or, you know, do the research from the government. You know, right now, I think there are some there's a potential to get a some form of an SBA loan that's a part of the disaster relief loan. If you're affected by this, there's uh, there's that. Then um, the states are extending unemployment opportunities for things like this. And so, you know, all all we can really do and all I've been able to do is just try to stay in communication with everyone. Let them know that, you know, not only am I mindful and aware, I, you know, I also let everyone know that if they needed money in the short term um, until we could get unemployment going or until whatever, you know, to please reach out to me personally. And I, I would have no problem helping them out and doing the best that I could. But really, I mean, that's that's really all you can do. You know, I think right now there's this fear factor of it's not about the current climate okay we will survive that whether it's a couple of months or whatever but then it's um how will how will things play out in the next three to six months and that landscape i think is the thing that i'm probably the most concerned about because i see i hope i'm wrong but i think there are a lot of people right now that are very vulnerable and they didn't realize just how vulnerable they were until something like this happened and yes. all of a sudden they have no money and that's when I yes. get worried about how mass people, you know, the mass population, how they respond if they don't have money to feed their kids. And yeah. so, you know, maybe moving forward, I don't know, Drew, and, and I'd like your opinion on this, but I think moving moving forward, sure. you're going to see a lot of people that remember because this this moment in time is going to be very fresh for them at how vulnerable they are. And it might cause them to change their spending habits, which, you know, 
people spending money is what makes this economy what it is. I, I think what you're commenting about is the millennial generation was psychologically affected by the recession of 2008. It's a it's a lasting impression that changed the way that people purchased yeah. goods. But then technology evolved and the Netflixes of the world came out and the subscription service model for software as a service came out. I imagine that many of the people, you know, I, I was actually on Twitter earlier today and I saw that more than a dozen anecdotes of people saying that not only was the restaurant shut down, but yeah. they were let go at their company. And one, one lady commented that she only had $160 in the bank. This is this is devastating. This is a moment that they will not soon forget. And if they don't get gainful employment soon, uh, you know, hopefully they have access to yeah. unemployment. It, it like I think you're exactly right, Chad. Like this will affect not just near term purchase behaviors, but how many people right now are going to go cancel Netflix and say, well, well, you know, I don't need it. How many people are? I mean, actually, after this podcast, I'm actually going to go cancel yeah. a few subscription services. You know, because a handful of these nine ninety nine a month or fifteen dollar a month subscriptions. They, you look up and you're spending $150 a month on subscription services that you may use once or twice a month. Well, uh, one thing I, I want to say on that, but by the way, I just, this, I have a subscriptions list in Apple and it popped up the other day and I was like, I couldn't believe it. I canceled 80 bucks worth of stuff a month. I didn't even know what I was paying for. You know, it was one of those where they, they really get you. It's like they nickel you here, five bucks there, seven bucks there. But, but one thing I want to point out as, as a tremendous lesson for new and upcoming entrepreneurs is the importance of paying people utilizing um, the appropriate method of doing it, okay? Paying people, withholding taxes, not paying people under the table, doing things the right way. Because in a situation like this, because you pay people through an actual paycheck where you withhold taxes, you withhold social security and all of those things, these people are now eligible for unemployment benefits. Whereas if you are someone who pays people under the table because you're trying to, to skim off and not have to pay all the taxes and you know, you're, you're just trying to look out for yourself long term, this can cripple you and all of the people around you. And right now, I think that this is probably one of the, the things that I was the most grateful for. You know, in the beginning, we, we did that because we were really small and really we just didn't know what we were doing. But we got on board with that and, and you know we experienced an audit for some of those things when we were using 1099 contractors when they were actually employees and it was a great area for us and we shifted everyone over to actual employees and you know because we did that and we took those measures and we do pay the extra taxes now all of our people are not at risk of being homeless or being hungry or not being able to feed their kids and we can still stay in contact with them continue as a company right now to take this as an opportunity to improve some of our inefficiencies and improve some of our things. You know, a lot of times, Drew, uh, I think they say this in Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'm not really sure if that's where exactly, but it was said somewhere. But they say that to try and fix a business while it's running is like trying to change a flat tire on a car while it's rolling down the road. And for me, I haven't had, I haven't had a moment in time where the business paused, where it truly paused to where I could fix some things that I've wanted to fix and do it efficiently. And right now I see this as, even though it's a, a huge setback, I mean, financially for us, this is like a massive blow. 
Um, because, you know, you got to remember we're in the event business and they're limiting people to like, what, 10 people in any gathering room or type thing right now. And I mean, you can remember if you sell stuff for you sports, this is catastrophic for us. But at the same time, it's a tremendous yeah. opportunity to fix some of the inefficiencies. And hopefully, like you said, how do we come out in a, in a you know, and better position ourselves and, you know, be in a better spot moving forward. And so that's what we're trying to do right now. You brought up something, this concept of team, and I'll, I'll circle back to that. You asked the question before, <clears throat> what is, what is R and D doing about this crisis right now? And as I said before, I don't think it's hit us just yet. If it will get bad, I don't think it's hit us just yet because I've, I've spoken to no less than two other agencies that, that are, that offer similar services that we do, but they're at a different scale than us. A open table put out a Excel document of real-time feeds of year-over-year food purchases. In the last two days, they are down 41% across many states and sectors for people eating out and dining out. And so this advertising agency are asking them to pause marketing spend. Our agency, because at this moment, we're, we're more project-based, and these project scopes were... were for, for smart businesses budgeted in advance. So they know that if we're sending them an estimate or a cost and they're, they're prepared for it. What this will mean for us though, is that we're probably going to have a difficult time over the next three months signing new projects with new customers. So we're basically going to work our current book of business until it's over with. And then we're going to have to repivot from there. Really the, the long and the short of it is <laughs> probably going to suck a lot in about two to three months. And I think the point you brought up, Chad, before something smart you did was not going into debt. Our business is also not in debt. We've got good cash flow and good reserves at this moment. So I, I think we're, we're comfortable and safe for the next six to nine months. But God forbid this is still here nine months from now. I don't know what's going what's gonna to happen. Here's, here's the reality. Yeah, I was about to say, here, here's the reality that I've accepted. If if things are that this bad, nine, six, nine, 12 months from now, I mean, I have a feeling it's not really going to matter. You know, we can weather the storm in the short term. And that that is, we are in a, a tremendously better position than the majority of people. And in all honesty, the majority of companies because a lot of them still aren't in a position to weather things, you know, and like you said about some people yes. in restaurants are being let go. And these are the realities of being employed. You go in to uncertainty, okay? I mean, at the end of the day, when someone runs a company, the last person to go is them. And whereas if you are, if you have a job, you are not the last person to go, no matter what you think. And I think that's important. You know, this past weekend, I learned something really interesting that I think is just worth sharing. So I, I attended a, a conference from a, it's, it's a, through a company called Rule One Investing, and it's by a guy named Phil Town. And so something that, that I'm really fascinated with is, is how some of these bigger guys invest their money. Okay. And probably not the reason that most people think. It's not so much about making investments for me. It's more so about learning how to build my company because I like to know what these guys are looking for 
And and I'm talking about investors that are like Phil Town, Warren Buffett, some of these guys that their goal is to buy a company and hold it forever. Okay, buy great companies at good prices. And so the question I always want to know is what do they define as a good company? What are the parameters that they're looking for? What are the profit margins? What are the cash flows? What are the debt loads? What's the debt to income ratio type things? What are they looking for? And then I try to take notes of all of these things. And then this is tr how I try to build out the company by being smart and looking at what these guys are looking for. Because I think for me personally, if they consider something a great company based on these parameters, if we can scale up and achieve these things, it also puts us in a great position and makes us a great company to, you know, potentially one day down the road be acquired or other things. I want to I want to finish up on what I was saying. And, and so basically what I learned from him, which I thought was really interesting and disturbing. OK, one of the things that he really focuses on when he's looking at a company is the management. And he cares a lot about these guys and what their track record is. And I, I, it was hard for me to understand exactly why in the beginning. And then he was explaining about the scenario specifically with the COVID-19 virus here that a lot of companies that have taken on debt, what they will do in an opportunity like this is they will quickly file for Chapter 11 and say, hey, it's not me. It's the COVID-19. It's hitting everyone. And it really like, allows them to, to clean up a company and do it in a, in a way that I consider to be highly unethical. Um, and so he said that, you know, public companies do this and that they'll chapter 11 and the stock goes to zero and all shareholders lose their money. And then sure enough, a year later, they're back on the market and they're debt free. And that to me is extremely disturbing, number one. And so I think it's just another one of the reasons why I do not carry debt because I could not imagine doing that just Hey, okay, can't pay it. Great opportunity to get out from under it. Have a good day. Like, it just doesn't seem right. No, it, it doesn't seem right. Oh, by the way, the airline airlines just asked for a fifty to sixty billion dollar bailout. What that must be like. Think of the debt that an airline has. Yeah, you want to know the best, the the two best positioned airlines in the United States. Just so you know, for a side note, are Southwest Airlines. Their debt to income ratio is point. Three four of one year, which is outstanding, and then Delta's is roughly three years of their annual revenue. So both companies, tremendous, tremendously great companies, and in great positions as far as debt goes. But again, these guys are getting annihilated. I mean, yesterday in the Atlanta airport, which is the busiest airport in the world, okay, a plane enters and leaves every eight seconds. Literally got out, walk in, and boom, walk straight, straight through security, straight to a gate in four minutes, like. You never do that. It's like being in O'Hare, you know, oh and doing goodness. that. It's just unreal. It's like scary goodness. almost, you know? Well, let me ask you, uh, Chad, a question I promise I'd ask. And I think you, uh, I heard you mention this earlier. Chad and his business, smart decision, not in a lot of debt. Right now, these restaurants, these businesses, if you're an entrepreneur right now and say you've got two to three employees, you know, maybe even new hires, you brought them on this year. How does team communication, how does engaging with your employees, how does that benefit you in the long run if you do it the right way versus doing it the wrong way? Because you you described the, the wrong way to clear debt, which is to file for chapter 11, fire everyone, start over. What, from your perspective, what is the right way to manage a team in this time? Well, I think, and I remember this is, this is all my personal opinion, but I, I personally think that 
in, in times of chaos, uh, people need a few things. They need consistency. They need reassurance that they're going to be okay. And they need a plan. And right now, the only thing that we really don't have is, is a plan per se, um, other than we have a plan of making sure that they have all the resources they need. And we're helping with the research to make sure that they're okay and can get things. And then we're there if they need it in the short term. But, you know, I think that if you lead well during a situation like this, you can create a level of loyalty within your company that is unlike anything that you can do in a normal basis. Okay. Because look, right now in the last, I mean, dude, honestly, I don't really know how long it's been, but let's, let's say five years just to be conservative. But in the last five years, it has been an employee's market. Okay. Everyone is hiring and people are able to jump ship and go do things and it doesn't matter. And, you know, I mean, we, we've both seen it. Okay. People can work anywhere, everywhere you drive, there was a now hiring sign. And now, in a moment like this, when the, the job market is not as robust as it was three weeks ago or four weeks ago, people start seeing what it means to have a safe job, okay, and working for the right people. And right now, I think if I had a little small restaurant that had two or three employees, I think, you know, number one, I would probably do everything I could. If I had some cash on hand, um, I, I would... Most likely in any restaurant, okay, and, and we're you know you ask specifically for a restaurant, but I think in most restaurants they all have the ability to be extra cleaned, you know, like they all need to be cleaned. They all need they all have little things that haven't been done, you know, like little little like plug-in outlets that need to be changed, and little things that can be painted and touch-up paint and some cleaning of the ceilings, things that don't get done as frequently as as, as most restaurant owners would like. And so I think I would probably do my very best if I either had enough cash on hand or had some access to it to try and keep people for a couple of weeks and bring everyone in and utilize it as a great bonding experience where I brought some music in, we played some music, we took some time to deep clean things, and it just became a great bonding experience. And, you know, that can, that overall can improve morale. And I think if you were to do something along those lines, it would probably create not only higher morale, but you would create some loyalty amongst your people. And then, you know, hopefully the money that you do pay for those two, you know, couple of weeks could be offset by the amount of money it costs you to hire and train new people if you lose those people. So, you know, it's also another opportunity, especially if you're a small restaurant. The thing about small businesses that are so powerful is that they have a story. And they have a story that's very close. And if you have an opportunity to work, if you're if you're someone working for a company and you have an opportunity to work with the owner, they generally have pretty interesting stories as to how they got here. And a lot it usually involves some some form of hardship and some form of uh, lots of trial and errors. And those are fun things to learn when you have uninterrupted time. And you know, also from an from my my standpoint, when people help out in that scenario. I have more loyalty to those people. If they're willing to say, hey, Chad, you know, I, I have done the research and, you know, I, I had someone today reach out to me and um, she's outstanding. She's in Phoenix and Arizona. And she said, you know, I've done some research and now they're offering uh, the unemployment benefits in Phoenix right now. And I just want you to know I'm going to get on it and I am here if you need anything, you know, and when you hear that from the other side. It's 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 a great feeling also because you realize that we are all in this together and, and this is more of a societal thing. I think everyone's going to have to come together to overcome this. So I don't know if that answers your question, Drew. I probably yeah. danced around it a little bit, but hopefully that no, does. it does. <clears throat> no, I, I just to reiterate, consistency 
assurance and having a plan is important. You know, the, the economics of being a good ma- owner, manager, doing w- what you can, right? Like, obviously, if there's a business that has no cash and they can't help it, then what else, what else can they do? Really, it's, you know, for as much as maybe each of our families or every man for themselves, whenever you have a, a company or a team and you really come together, it makes you stronger. I think there's something else here. If we think about the quote from Tom Hanks, the no crying in baseball, there's there's chaos, there's panicking, and then there's being level-headed. I, I think probably the worst thing in the world to do is to panic right now, particularly if you're in a business. Well, I, I, oh yeah. But I, to keep that cool level head, I guess what I'm trying to ask you, Chad, or trying to suggest is this is the reality that maybe none of us expected, but it is a reality. You know, like if we look back at recessions in the past, I mean, I, I, I'm casually throwing that word around. Yeah. Perhaps there won't be a recession, but we've seen dips in the economy in the past. We've seen maybe disruptions in society. I, someone commented earlier, this is you know one of the first times that the entire economy is just stopping. Right, so maybe this is unprecedented, but if you're if you've been in business long enough, you maybe you perhaps recall the dot com bust and the recession of '08 and the stock market crises of the '70s and the '80s and the gas shortages. So it's not this isn't yeah. something that's never happened before. Businesses have survived since then, and I think the no crying in baseball is I take that as this is just a part of business. Chad, you you told me a quote a couple of weeks ago when I had called you and you said, it's just a part of business and Absolutely. you want to think it's not a part of business, but it is right. It's, so well, you know, yeah, uh, it's just, just a thought. I think, I think what I take from the quote more than anything is there's no crying in baseball. I think you have to ask yourself, are the, are the actions that you're taking or the things that you're doing, are they making it better? Okay. And so like, if you're cry- crying in baseball does not change the score, does not change whether you struck out or whether you hit a home run or whether you get a single it doesn't, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't change the call. It doesn't, it doesn't fix things. Okay. And neither does panicking. You know, I don't know. I, I don't know who said this and it's a quote you could probably look up, but it says like worrying is like a, is um, like a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. And I think for me right now in this particular moment, you know, I, I've had a lot of calls from a lot of people because people understand that my exposure to this particular type of you know, as they're calling it a pandemic, uh, my exposure was a, a lot greater than I even realized. And I've had a lot of people reaching out to me, just, you know, just kind of seeing where I'm at. And they kind of want my insight into, you know, the youth sports world and what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing from different, different people. And, you know, at the end of the day, like I tell them all, like, listen, panicking, if, if it worked, I would do it. But since it doesn't work, then, you know, we have to figure out a few things. Okay, obviously, we have to minimize our expenses, we have to utilize the resources that are being, you know, that are available to us from the government. I think that's also really important. And then you have to be mindful that people are human and, you know, we have to remember that, like, you know, the part of being human is a lot of times you are irrational and we have to deal with those people. And a lot of it's just calming people down and working together. And and I think this too shall pass. I don't think, I know it will. I mean, you know, life will go on one way or another. And I, you know, I, I, I still do not believe that, this is not the greatest country in the world to live in. I still do not believe that this is not a, a great time in, in human history. I mean, we have cars driving themselves. You know, we have everything you can imagine right now. And 
I mean, look, we'll we'll have some form of a vaccine for this. And most likely my prediction, again, I have no medical background at all. I'm a hypochondriac as it is. Uh, but my, my prediction is that the coronavirus will always be here and it will just be a season, just like the flu is right now. It will be coronavirus flu season and most likely next year. I don't I don't know when, but, you know, there will be a vaccine for it. They'll encourage it and life will go on. And then this thing will happen again. And there will be those of us that experienced it as part of our story. And we will say, oh, hey, last time this happened, X, Y, Z, you know, this is what we did. And I, I, that's what I believe. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but that's that's my 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 internal belief. I love the optimism. I think the optimism is necessary right now because there are so many things that are that are changing. I mean, it, like it is down to the minute with things evolving and chat about the number like the workforce being driven by small businesses like the workforce is made up predominantly of small businesses, businesses your size and my size. One of the things I'm telling people and I'm trying to be intentional about it is just going to the coffee shop to make sure that I pick up that latte within reason, right? Like obviously this is a time to buckle down. Small business is such a critical part of the economy and those entrepreneurs listening right now, important part of the economy. And Chad, you, I love what you said earlier, you know, like this is the time to dust off the marketing plan. This is a time to clean up your folders and, you know, scrub the, the, the sockets whenever you come out of this, because when the economy comes back and it will, It'll be roaring. It wouldn't it be nice to have a cleaner restaurant or to have all your processes documented, to have your graphics all ready to go, right? Like there's so many things a business person right now can do. So if you can't go out there and, and close a deal, and if you can't, if you're not working on a project right now, if you're not out there serving cups of coffee at your small restaurant or at your coffee shop, start cleaning, start keeping yourself busy, try very diligently to keep your employees busy and let's let's all hope that this is all done and said and and the economy revitalizes itself in a handful of months yeah you know and i think the last thing i'll say on it before we before we wrap it up today is you know at the end of the day um everything that that we're doing right now is we're preparing for the future okay and we are mindful of the present okay and we are appreciative of the moment but we're still preparing for the future and that our long-term plan hasn't changed. And, you know, our, uh, you know, scaling our database and um, working with some of the automation that we've built out and improving some of that, you know, and improving some of the server efficiencies and some of those things. These are things that we are actively like doing right now because we see it as a gift. Like, all right, we have a few weeks. Let's take this as an opportunity because when we do come back, it'll be better for not just myself, but everyone in our company and including our customers, because we're improving our processes, our systems, and it's going to make for a better experience for everyone in the end. And I think that's great. Um, but so, you know, uh, Drew, I think it's I think this is probably the the perfect quote to start um, next week with and to tie in uh, today and to tie it all up. But it's an Albert Einstein quote, and it says, in the middle of difficulty lies opportunity. This has been another episode of the Poster Boy Podcast, brought to you by utproducts.com. Find and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at theposterboybook.com to grab your copy of the book.